BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Okay, Ben, cheese eating time is over. We have a show to do. <laughs> Sorry. Hold on. Now I'm going to have some water. Oh, there we go. There we go. There's that cap. Ah, it's so delicious, man. How's it going, everybody? We're live. Are you hearing us okay today? YouTube's acting a little funky, so I want to make sure. Uh, everybody, as I read uh, today's sponsors, go ahead and let me know if you can hear us and make sure everything's cool. Your live stream chat experience, is it the same per usual? Yes? No? Let me know. Like I said, YouTube live streams acting a little wonky. All right, your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, February 24th, is just moments away. But before we go any further, we need to thank our sponsors. Sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana. That is correct. The Chicago Federation of Labor. They are sponsors. That is correct. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know. The city of Chicago. What to do, where to go, what to eat, even during a pandemic. I know it's insane. Uh, Political columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Chicago Reader columnist Maya Dukmasova. By the way, our interview with Maya Dukmasova available right now. ChicagoReader.com. Wherever else you download podcasts, there's audio, there's uh, papers. You could subscribe to the paper, subscribe to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Also, become a Ben Jarofsky Show bin head. Yeah, are you a bin head? Well, you can be. ChicagoReader.com slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. Become a binhead. And also, when you become a binhead, you will get a deal on the soon-to-be-released book from our very own Ben Jarofsky. It's his greatest hits, a collection from over 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> that my coworker has put together, all right? His greatest hits, <laughs> chicagoreader.com slash Jarofsky. Okay, everybody. Dude, right. how old can one guy be? You know, 40 years. Well, Good a, luck. About 10 years. I'm going to 50 years. Of- <laughs> Dennis, Dr. D. Good luck. <laughs> All right, I think everybody can hear us okay, so I think we're good to go. You do have a song of the day. It is by the Beatles. Beatles, please do not sue us, because this isn't going to sound anything like your song. All right, I'll take that to court. Good Day Sunshine by the Beatles. Ah. Good day, sunshine. Good day, sunshine. Good day, sun. I used to walk. I'm gonna stop singing because I can't sing at all. Ding. Well, out of all the times you say you can't sing, that was actually pretty good. Ah, this makes me feel good. You know, my wife said to me the other day, "You know, your singing's getting better. I guess all this singing is paying off." There you go. Of course, it couldn't get worse. That was the implied other statement. Still pretty bad. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Wednesday, February 24th. 
and still live from my apartment and still live from his attic. This is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson. And now your host, over 40 years. Whoa. <laughs> Chicago Raider columnist Ben Jarofsky. Yeah, hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Sleazy Cuomo Wednesday, and here's why. Breaking news out of New York involving Governor Andrew Cuomo. None of it good. A former aide is accusing Cuomo of sexual harassment. Her name is Lindsay Boylan, and she used to work for the state's New York State's Economic Development Agency and the Cuomo administration. Now she's running for president in Manhattan Borough. Here's the lead from the New York Times story. The aide, Lindsay Boylan, describes several years of uncomfortable interactions with Cuomo, a third-term Democrat, including an invitation to play strip poker on a government airplane and an email from another top aide suggesting that the governor thought she was a better-looking sister of another woman, end of quote. That's the lead in the New York Times story that was just breaking as they went on the air. <sighs> anyway, uh, Lindsay uh, Boylan uh, went into detail with an essay she wrote uh, for Medium, and I will now quote from it, quote, Governor Andrew Cuomo has created a culture within his administration where sexual harassment and bullying is so pervasive that it is not only condoned but expected. His inappropriate behavior toward women was an affirmation that he liked you, that he must be doing something right, that you must be doing something right, I should say. He used intimidation to silence his critics. And if you dared to speak up, you would face consequences. God damns. I will continue. She gets more specific. Cuomo was always coming on to her. He made stupid innuendos. He said, let's play strip poker. He, she claims he kissed her. He gave her a tour of his office and showed her a cigar box, said it was a gift from President Bill Clinton. I will quote from the essay. As Cuomo showed me around, I tried to maintain my distance. He paused at one point and smirked as he showed off a cigar box. He told me that President Clinton had given it to him while he served as the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. The two-decade-old reference to President Clinton's affair with Monica Lewinsky was not lost on me. Yes, yes, folks. It was like an inside joke. Clinton and the cigar. We all know what, we're, what he's alluding to. Cuomo, really? What are you doing, dude? Lindsay Boylan continues, and quote, in 2018, I was promoted to deputy secretary for economic development and special advisor to the governor. I initially turned the job down, not because I didn't want the responsibility or work, but because I didn't want to be near him. I finally accepted the position at the governor's insistence with one requirement. I would keep my old agency office and remain on a separate floor with him uh, from him and his inner circle. The governor's persuasive, pervasive harassment extended beyond just me. He made unflattering comments about the weight of female colleagues. He ridiculed them about their romantic relationships and significant others. He said the reasons that men get women were money and power and so on and so forth. Comes on the heels of reports that Cuomo's administration was covering up nursing home deaths related to covid and that he was calling up state legislators who were trying to look into to, uh, the nursing home deaths, telling them to shut up, intimidating them. He's always acting like a colossal bully. He had that reputation. And it leads me to believe, what is it about Dems? There's a per, 
it, it's like this, how do I put this? It's, it's like a, a, a typical Dem behavior where they just get this power and it goes to their heads. It's so Clintonian. It's so Bill Clinton in the 1990s. They think they can get away with anything because they, what, give a good speech or they can make references to great democratic ideals or because everyone is always sucking up to them and telling them how great and wonderful they are. No comment from the Cuomo administration about uh, the latest allegations from Lindsey Boylan when she first emerged with allegations in a tweet. He denied them. We'll see how far he goes with his denials. But her allegations, her stories sort of conform to many reports coming out of the Cuomo uh, administration in New York. And I mentioned Cuomo because this is the guy that Dems were revering in the early stages of the pandemic. This is the guy that Dems were swooning over. Oh, please. Oh, please. Run for president right now, Andrew Cuomo. I may have. D, I may have been tempted to have said that. I think I may have said that on the show once, knowing everything I knew about this guy. You got an iHeart Cuomo bumper sticker <laughs> ready to put on your car? I'm like, dude, maybe you want to wait a little bit. I don't know. Yes, I think you did caution me that. Young Dennis cautioned the old man to calm down, Ben. They gave him an Emmy. We talked about this last week. They gave him an Emmy. Oh, my God, Dems, you're embarrassing. It is embarrassing. Rumor has his brother was pissed about that. Chris Cuomo, CNN, you got an Emmy? That's the other thing. They got the brother. He works, you know, CNN. And it's like, oh, my God, it's so heartwarming. The Cuomo brothers, they love each other. And then, of course, you know, Cuomo, now they, the, the one on CNN can't report about the governor because it's embarrassing and it's his, he loves him. It's his best friend. So what, they have to hand off to another staffer? to talk about the scandals with Cuomo, the bullying with Cuomo. I don't know, Dems. I'm, I'm, I'm just, look, I know I'm a Bernie lefty. I'm not a centrist Dem. And as such, <laughs> you guys don't really look at me, what, as an ally. You look at me with suspicion. I know, I know, I know what you say. We have a lot of centrists come on the show and they like to tease me about Bernie. What is it, Dems? Please explain this to me. Like, the type of Dem that gets a little power, it goes to his head, and they just act really weird and bizarre and overextend themselves. So Clintonian and so revered by the MSNBC crowd. They gave the dude an Emmy. <laughs> I mean, they were good press conferences. For, I mean, <laughs> oh my God, they weren't that great. He wasn't stumbling or anything. I mean, they were good. I mean, the, the bar is low. And like he would talk about his mom and his daughter, you know, and uh, he would give out advice. Like, who's going to take advice from this guy? One more time. Can we have that Emmy back? And Dems, 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 stop acting like you're Bill Clinton. He's not a good role model. We've got a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson, he's not falling for the Cuomo hype. He didn't say give him Emmy. In fact, he's going to say, give him, take that Emmy. <laughs> Get it back. I think the Emmy people should go right now. Take that Emmy back from Andrew Cuomo. Dems, wake up. 
Stop pretending you're Bill Clinton. Anyway, plenty of political talk ahead of us. Before we do that, the young man from Alton, the man that Bill Clinton and Andrew Cuomo like to call the doctor. <laughs> and the one guy, and I've known him for a while, who's never really had a good thing to say about Bill Clinton or Andrew Cuomo, and that is for real. <laughs> His dude is Bernie or bust. Yeah, Bernie, Bernie pisses me off every now and again, too. All right, no one's safe in the dentist zone. It's true, but you still, you got to admit Bernie has got more integrity than Andrew Cuomo or Bill Clinton. You got to admit that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, what was I saying? Oh, yes, the man that Bill Clinton and Andrew Cuomo like to get together and play strip poker with, the man they call Dr. D with the news. How's it going, everybody? And I'm with you, man. Andrew Cuomo, get rid of that Emmy. And hey, let's get J.B. Pritzker that Grammy. I'd love to win a Grammy. <laughs> Come on now. You know, I just don't see Pritzker doing this kind of behavior. I just don't see it, D. I, you know what I mean? It just doesn't seem like he's got that glorified sense of him. You know, Cuomo is like he's really in love with himself. That was Clinton, too. Well, once so the media's smart. done banging uh, Cuomo around, maybe we'll find something out about Pritzker next. You know what I mean? Who knows? Give it time. Give it time, Ben. Give it time. Yeah, you know. I'm on. You know, I'm on the Pritzker bandwagon. I just can't see him doing anything like that. Anyway, the man from all the man that Governor Pritzker likes to call. Oh, two Day. of them. <laughs> two of them. My name's Dennis. How's it going? Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. And before we go any further. I believe a congratulations is in order. Ben, your beloved town of Evanston has a new mayor. Oh, yes, they do. The former Danny. senator, the former gubernatorial candidate, yeah. and yes, present-day mathematician has done it. Daniel Biss has declared victory in his race to become the Evanston mayor. Early results from Tuesday's primary election in Evanston indicate voters may have determined the winner of the races for the city's two citywide offices without needing an April runoff. Daniel Biss declared victory after unofficial results showed him with a lead of more than 4,500 votes over his nearest competitor. With more than half of votes counted, he wins the race outright, according to the terms of the 1992 referendum. An hour after polls closed, Biss had collected more than 73% of the votes counted and declared victory on a video teleconference with supporters and the press. Well, I could tell you, D, that pretty much nobody uh, in the state of Illinois, in the country of the United States, would care who was elected mayor of Evanston. I would care because it's my hometown. As I like to point out, I'm a distinguished scholar for four years at Evanston Township High School, where I was known for barely passing chemistry, among other things. Uh, so, but really, nobody cares who the mayor of Evanston is, but... Dan Biss made a big name for himself in 2018 by running as the quote-unquote progressive candidate for governor. And as everybody recalls, he came in second uh, to uh, J.B. Pritzker in the primary, and he is the answer to the trivia question, who did Ben vote for in the 2018 gubernatorial election? D, how much? Do, we talked, that was back in the radio days, we talked about that gubernatorial uh, primary Every day, it was the big news because it was the Democrats' chance to undo the damage caused by four years of Bruce Rauner and his insane obsession with destroying uh, collective bargaining uh. in the state of Illinois. So much has changed since then. But I remember 
progressives. And, you know, now I'm going to, like, this is like a distinction. I'm going to make a distinction. When Ramada comes on the show and Ramada says, everybody is like liberal. But no, 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 there's different categories. This is a discussion we have all the time. So you have like Dems who like are just Clintonian and like they love Rom and they they always are pushing the Democratic Party to the right with the notion that that's what you have to do uh, to win elections. That's just a responsible thing to do. Uh, plus, it makes a lot of money for the people who support the party uh, with the page with the donations and stuff. So they kind of it's all mixed together with their their self interest with what they think is of the best interest. That's like your centrist them. Then you have progressives who used to be called liberals and you know they're what what do they believe in i guess they believe in the notion of good government in this most abstract uh, form and uh daniel biss was a progressive he was what we used to call a liberal uh and as such i was always getting besieged by people telling me to vote for him and i finally uh voted for him and i was of course envious of um Dennis, who didn't, that's called voter envy. Uh, Dennis voted for the cool candidate, Bob Diver from downstate. Anyway, Danny Biss trying to figure out what he's going to do with his career. He gave up his state Senate seat to run for governor. Now he's going to be mayor of Evanston. How many people live in Evanston? About 70,000, D. So it's, you could argue that um, it's like a parallel move. But good luck to you, Dan. Uh, Best of luck to you if, if Evanston has a great rebounds. It has, uh, as I expect, uh, cities and throughout the state of Illinois to do. I that's my prediction. I was made that prediction on the show with the Heartland Moms yesterday. Uh, when this pandemic lifts, good times for all. So if that happens in the city of Evanston, you could ride that to another office, a higher office, D. And uh, I never thought of the mayor of Evanston as a stepping stone to anything, but. Maybe that'll work out for young Dan Biz. Well, you know, and I'm glad it's finally over because we can finally talk about this. Uh, I, I have to break the fourth wall here. Uh, there was a rumor going around here. You are from Evanston. You love Evanston. And you did vote for Daniel Biss uh, in the gubernatorial primary. Did you not? Yes, sir. Well, I I'm, did. I'm breaking, Under interrogation. I'm, <laughs> I'm breaking the fourth wall here. Rumor has it you were on that campaign committee to get Biss elected. <laughs> For Evanston? Yeah. For Evanston? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There's no truth to that rumor at all. Okay. All right. I will give you 10 trivia points if you can name any previous mayor of Evanston. Go. Let me think. Let me think here. Hold on. Let me think. Ice Cube. (laughs) Oh, my. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, Dan Bisson, mayor of Evanston. I don't know. I think being mayor of Evanston will be an easier job than being governor of Illinois. Just just saying. Right. People in Evanston, very liberal. You got progressives. You got liberals. Got a few Republicans. Well, I like how you ducked and dodged there, because I did see Bis Police t-shirts, a big stack of them, <laughs> in your attic one day. Just saying. That's cool. Congratulations, Daniel Biss. Uh, we do have a quote from the new mayor, Dan Biss. Dan Biss said, quote, one train leaves Evanston at 3 a.m., averaging 30 miles per hour. Another train headed in the same direction leaves Evanston at 6 a.m., averaging 60 miles an hour. Just kidding, guys. It's oh, little math humor there. That was good. D, by the way, I love those word problems. 
Yeah. When I was like, oh my God. Ah. And you know, I'm a little slow when it, well, with a lot of things, but particularly when it comes to math, I get those word problems and I would just look at them and read them over and over again. Okay, the train's going 30 miles an hour. The wind's blowing at 15 miles an hour. The train's going east. The wind's blowing west. The smoke's going, where's the smoke going? I'd be like trying to figure it out. Danny Pierce would be like the kid next to me. Go, oh, come on, this is easy. <laughs> I shouldn't make fun of guys who are good at math. Just, just jealous. I'm just jealous of your dad, Biz. Right. I wasn't. Yeah, good. right now there's about five kids who sit by you in a class listening right now going, is he talking about me? <laughs> All those kids, man. Oh, dude, could you just move your shoulder a little more to the right so I get a better view? Ah, there we go. Okay. There we go. That's the key to getting out of geometry. Just... Sit behind a Steve Chickowitz. Hey, Steve, just move your shoulder a little to the right. Shout out to Steve Chickowitz. What's going on, buddy? Appreciate you listening. Uh, do you know what his nickname was back in the day? The Chickmeister? Uh, chicken Tit. Oh, okay. ah, yes, we are the wit and wisdom of uh, young scholars. Of high File this under TMI. Okay, uh, we do have a real quote from Dan Biss, not a uh, math problem. Uh, he said, "Quote: Tonight is a night of celebration for us. Tomorrow morning is a morning of rest. But then we enter a period of work, work to transform our city, work to enact this new vision, work to build policies that work for every single Evanstonian and lift every single Evanstonian up." And I'm asking all of you to join me in that work, just as you joined me this campaign. Thank you so much. I love you more than you will know, and I cannot tell you how I uh, how excited I am about what we're going to accomplish together. Uh, Evanstonian, that's what they're called. That's not a bad joke about what I used to do in the 70s. Uh, Evanstonians uh, is what they're called. And by the way, uh, Mayor Biss, uh, I'm just going to, I think I read in the paper that the movie theater Everson closed. I love that movie theater. Okay, now the pandemic obviously uh, was a punch to the god of movie theaters everywhere. So I, one of the things I'm really looking forward to do uh, to doing the whenever I get this uh, vaccine, Lord knows when that'll be, uh, is to go back to the movies. So Mayor Biss, if you can figure out some way to get a movie theater back in Evanston, that will truly be a great triumph. Good luck to that. Oh, let's see what you got to deal with now, Biss. My God, you got Jaroski probably calling you every five minutes. Hey, hey fix that theater. Oh, man. You may have been better off trying to be governor, but just saying. I don't know. I, I think that theater was built with TIF funds, D. You know, the Evanstonians used to call me up from time to time. Ben, you write all about those TIFs in Chicago. Our TIF program sucks, too. And I'm like, guys, this uh, they weren't the only suburban uh, folks who would call me up. I It's... So time consuming and energy consuming and brain consuming to deal with, with the horrors of Chicago's TIF program. You now want me to be an expert on Arlington Heights TIF program, Berwyn's TIF program, Evanston's TIF? Sorry. I have to turn them down. Oh. But Evanston gave some TIF money for a Trader Joe's, which I thought was, I actually did write about that. I thought that was one of the most preposterous TIF deals I've ever seen. People, D, people, of the Dem persuasion, love Trader Joe's. Like they will line up to go to a Trader Joe's. You know what I'm saying? Like, why do they need a handout? But Evanston was like, no, we want Trader Joe's. So they gave him, even though it's across the street from a jewel. Anyway, too much information about the tip program at Evanston D. <laughs> I apologize for that tangent. 
Oh, my goodness. All right. And uh, when one election ends, another begins. We have more super early 2022 Illinois gubernatorial candidate news to discuss. But first, Ben, we have voicemails to play. I know. It's true. I guess me reading our phone number over and over and over and over again every day is starting to pay off. Dude, I got like four voicemails here to play. We're not going to play them all in a row, but we are going to play them throughout our news segment. And uh, if we have any left over at the end of the show, we'll play them as well. But our first voicemail comes from our good friend Jim. And Jim, last time he called us, he gave you a Bulls trivia question. I'm hoping that's the same thing here. Um, Jim, we appreciate you. You're awesome. Thank you, as always, for listening on the live stream chat. Uh, are you a binhead? You better be. ChicagoReader.com slash Jarofsky to go figure that out. All right, let's uh, play the voicemail from Jim. I'm hoping. I'm, I haven't heard this. It, it just it just came in as I'm doing the show. All right. <laughs> Sorry. It. Sorry. <laughs> Several hats. Several hats here on the Ben Jarofsky Show. I was writing the news. I'm like, all right, it's Jim. It'll be good. So here we go. Let's hear from Jim. Here we go. Maybe. This happens every single uh, We could just, you know, edit this out on the uh, podcast. No problem. <laughs> oh, Lord. All right. Where are you at? Uh, I'm... Just edit this out on the podcast. All right. Uh, if you want to leave us a voicemail and have me struggle to play it, 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. You know, I may edit this out. I don't know. But let's hear from Jim. Dennis, this is Jim. There we but, go. Um, for the, uh, the Bulls trivia for Ben, All right. two questions Bulls for him. trivia. Uh, the uh, current Bulls head coach. Billy Donovan, he coached uh, former Bull Joaquin Noah and some other NBA players when he was a college coach. Which school did Billy Donovan coach at before he became an NBA coach? And I'll email the answer to Dennis. And then uh, the, the second question for, for Ben for the Bulls trivia is uh, going back to the 70s. Uh, Dick Mata was the coach when the Bulls had a pretty good run going in the early to mid-70s. Never quite made it to the NBA Finals back then, but they always had solid teams. When Dick Mata left, uh, the Bulls made the playoffs in 1976-77 season. Who was the coach of that team uh, that replaced Dick Mata? Who was the coach who replaced uh, Dick Mata and had that uh, Bulls team in 76-77 that made the playoffs unexpectedly? And again, I'll email the answer to, uh, to Dennis. All right, guys, keep up the good work, and uh, good luck on the uh, fundraising campaign. Uh, hopefully, uh, people will continue to donate and keep uh, keep the, sh- the podcast going strong. Have a good day, guys. Take care. Hell yeah, Jim. That was awesome. Thank you very much, Jim. We appreciate that. All right. The answer to his question, Florida State is the um, school that Billy Donovan uh, used to be the coach at and the coach of the 1977 Chicago Bulls. This is a little embarrassing that I know this. Uh, this is this is so long ago, ladies and gentlemen. This is before I was writing for the reader. That's how long ago this was. And yet I know it. Ed Badger was his name. Ed Badger was the coach of the 76-77 Bulls. And as Dennis can tell you, the starting lineup for your 76-77 Bulls, the starting lineup was Artis Gilmore at center, Scotty May at forward, Mickey Johnson 
uh, from the west side of Chicago at the other forward and the backcourt, Norm Van Leer and Dennis's favorite player, Wilbur Holland, the starting lineup for the 76-77 Bulls, and I did not use my phone. Ah, per usual, a crazy, insane, long rant after the answers. I think you said uh, Florida and Ed Badger. Is that right? That is correct. Today's segment of Bulls Trivia brought to you by Jim. Thank you so much, Jim. Ben Jarofsky. That was correct. Good job. Good job. Dude, I'm really weird. I can't. I, I admit it. I openly acknowledge it. I admit it. I mean, think about it. I'm still obsessing over my vote over Dan Biss in the 2018 gubernatorial primary. And I remember why I did it. Because a certain strategist who are not named said, if you vote for Diber, you'll be wasting your vote. So vote for Dan Biss. Plus, I did love Latisa Wallace. I was uh, his running mate. So I voted for Biss. It's three years ago. Get over it, Ben. Get over it. Jim, that was awesome. Up top, my man. That was cool. Uh, <laughs> feel free to weigh in with more Bulls trivia. We did it perfectly there. You leave the voicemail, you give an answer. Boy, that first time we tried it was a shit show. Not this time, pal. You leave the voicemail with the question, you give me the answer on email, and we do it just like that. Bulls trivia, that is awesome. 708-658-4788. Call the Ben Jarofsky Show after the show, all right? If it's between one and three, don't call. I have trouble trying Trying to answer while we're going live. Uh, once again, several hats here on the Ben Jarofsky Show and several voicemails to play still, including a wicked rant from one Mike Girardi, all right? So that's going to be coming up. But let's continue on with the news. Like I said, when one election ends, another begins. The news broke Monday night. Conservative downstate Republican State Senator Darren, who's going to feed them hogs, Bailey? <laughs> The fiercest legislative opponent of Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker's five-phase mitigation strategy to safely reopen Illinois. Let's begin with phase one. Never. (laughs) Darren Bailey formally announced his candidacy for governor. We talked about it here on the show yesterday. He held an event for the occasion. Everyone was gathered together, and according to reports, no one was wearing masks. A good time was had by all. But hey, we pretty much saw this coming a mile away. Obviously, this dude was going to run for governor. Pritzker's facing a lot of downstate hate these days. And Darren Bailey fits the bill as a leader for what we're now calling on the Ben Jarofsky show, the Pritzker sucks movement. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> That's a good one, D. <laughs> and Ben, our 2022 Illinois gubernatorial election is off to a very early start. And after the following news, I am confident in saying that Darren Bailey is the very early front runner. Sorry, Paul Schimpf, but the governor didn't respond to your announcement during a press briefing. Pritzker was recently asked about Bailey's big news, but, you know, rather than wish the downstate Republican good luck, He wanted to circle back to that maskless event that he held. Pritzker said, quote, I heard that that announcement last night was in a room of hundreds of people and no one was wearing a mask. So I'm concerned about a super spreader event being caused by someone who's running for governor. Now, this isn't the second event that Bailey has held in Effingham this month with a largely maskless crowd. The first was a forum on February 8th. And at that event, Bulldog Springfield beat reporter Mark Maxwell pressed Bailey on concerns of coronavirus transmission. And shout out to another Bulldog. In fact, 
the meanest political bulldog in the yard, one Rich Miller, getting him back on the chain. My God. <laughs> Rich Miller went and found Bailey's response to Mark Maxwell. Uh, and Bailey said, quote, as a matter of fact, my jacket's sitting over there. I carry my mask with me everywhere. I wear it when I feel the need to wear it. There are places, you know, that mandate it. And if I need to go in there, I did this from day one. I've always had a mask and got one uh, and got one of my masks, he says. Mm. Uh, anything you like to say there, Ben? Yes. Clearly, this election, if Darren Bailey is the Republican nominee, and a shout out to Dennis, the moment we started talking about Big Feller, the moment we started talking about Darren Bailey, we've been talking about him a lot for the last six months. Dennis says, oh, this guy's running for governor. It was absolutely clear that he's running for governor, and he was going to claim MAGA, the MAGA mantle. He was going to be unapologetically Trump. And part of being unapologetically Trump is to act as though the pandemic is a fraud. No need to wear a mask. So I don't know, man. I've lost a little respect for Big Feller. Be honest with you, D. They're already. See, already backing away. DB, you were the man. You were the one who didn't wear a mask. You talk about, oh, I always had my mask. I was ready to uh, wear the mask. No. House Speaker Michael Joseph Madigan orchestrated a vote to exercise you, kick you out of the Democratic, excuse me, of the General Assembly. The When the House was finally meeting uh, in the early stages of the pandemic, they finally had that meeting. You didn't want to wear a mask because you were going to be the MAGA representative that would defy Michael Madigan, would defy the rule that said you have to wear a mask because somehow or other, in MAGA's mind, this was an infringement on some liberty, making people wear masks in the middle of a pandemic in a room with other people to protect everybody, that was like an infringement on a liberty, and it was unnecessary because you didn't believe the p- pandemic was real. And that was when, by the way, uh, the movement was being led in Illinois, or included people in Illinois, who would go show up at rallies with Nazi uh, swastikas and Nazi slogans. Just saying that, DB. That was part of the MAGA crowd. And now, I guess... Dennis, this is like moving to the center for DB, where he goes, oh, I have a mask in my back pocket. This constitutes moving toward the center. Guarantee you, folks, if Darren Bailey is the nominee, we will see uh, JB-funded commercials showing him getting kicked out of that meeting. Remember, D? The... uh, the sergeant at arms, and I think there may have been a cop there, so some security officials. Let's go, big fella. Come on. We got to move. Don't man cow? <laughs> I just got carried away with the notion of him moving out. If I recall, some Republicans voted for him to get kicked. They didn't want to get the virus. Like there were a handful of Republicans. This is this is part of that Republican dilemma. You got the Republicans from DuPage County, where a lot of people believe the virus is real and believe they should wear masks. Then you got like the great mass of MAGA hat wearers who don't believe it's real. So poor the Jim Durkins of the world are like, hmm, balance this, balance that. You know, do I go with the people in DuPage County who think I should wear a mask or should I Try to court MAGA. That's the struggle that they're facing. And already, DB is selling out MAGA. Isn't that interesting? It's just selling them out, DB. 
You were the man. You didn't wear a mask. You should have told Mark Maxwell when he asked you, I don't think we ever had to wear a mask. And that's an infringement on my liberty. That's, I don't know where that accent's coming from. I, <laughs> I'm trying to, I have this image of uh, Darren Bailey that is no way related to the Darren Bailey that exists. You ever notice that, D? You have this knee-jerk I, I, reaction to give all downstaters a southern accent. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's really unfair. I will now do my downstate uh, accent. <clears throat> Hi, little Danny. <laughs> Wait, my uncle? Is that my uncle? <laughs> That's me imitating Dennis, uh, imitating Uncle Eldon. So, D, I'm a little disappointed with uh, Darren Bailey. I would have appreciated if he just stood right up and said, you know what? I don't wear masks. I don't think I need to wear masks. That's what Trump did. The only time Trump Trump wore a mask, remember when he was in the hospital? He came out of the hospital after he licked COVID. He took the mask off. Everybody was cheering. Yeah, I don't think he put one on after that. Come on, DB. You want MAGA's vote? You got to be MAGA to the core. <laughs> now, one thing Darren Bailey touched on uh, during his announcement was Illinois' population loss. He blamed Pritzker, called him a hippie or something. Listen, I don't remember the details, but he promised to bring people back to the state of Illinois. Pritzker responded to uh, that statement that Bailey made. Pritzker said, quote, I've been working on this issue since day one. This was a problem before I became governor. I think you all know that we had more people leaving the state than coming to the state. We had a significant uh, immigration uh, to the state over the last several years as a result of former President Trump and his policy. What I've been working on is making sure that we're attracting and keeping students in the state because that's been part of the numbers of people who have left the state. Many students who are eligible to go to school at a reduced rate in the state of Illinois get a better deal leaving the state to go go to another school out of state. That should not be. And that's why I've increased every year the amount that we put into our scholarships and made it easier at, at the schools for kids who are at median income levels and families are or below to get a free education. So these are, that's just one way, that's what it says here, uh, that we're trying to make it better for the state to attract more people to the state, to keep people in the state. Uh, and he says here, finally and lastly, I think it's very important to recognize that building jobs from the ground up, building up our small businesses, which is really where most of the job growth takes place in, a, in every state at all across the United States, that is what we ought to be focused on. And in the wake of a pandemic, that's where we ought to be putting our resources. Yeah, uh, this is like a put politics aside from the moment. I haven't had a conversation about this in a long time, Dave, but we've had this in the past. We've had demographers come on the show and talk about why are people leaving the state of Illinois? Why uh, every year? It's been a pattern. Uh, and then, of course, in Chicago, why are black people leaving the city of Chicago? It's like two uh, separate but related topics. And folks, I like to think I have an answer for everything, but in this particular case, I don't have an answer. I read dutifully, read the Chicago Tribune editorials, those right-wing editorials that say it's higher taxes that are forcing a people uh, out of the state of Illinois. And that's why people are fleeing the state of Illinois. Nah, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's something bigger than that. 
I, I know pretty much everybody I know who's left Illinois has gone to a warmer climate, D, including a lot of people going to California where the taxes are higher than Illinois. It's like, I want to go to California, by the way. <laughs> it's so freaking cold in Chicago these days. So I, I, I don't know what it is. I really don't. We're going to take a, a deeper dive on this one, D, and this is going to be an issue that uh, Darren Bailey obviously will be raising. I pre- Look, I'm presuming that Darren Bailey will be the Republican nominee. I'm presuming that he's going to beat uh, State Senator Paul Shemp and uh, who else? Uh, uh, Man Cow. Uh, Mr. Cow is also running. Whoever else is running. I'm just presuming that Darren Bailey would be the candidate. Maybe Adam Kinzinger will sneak in because MAGA splits the vote. But I, I got to look into this because I don't have a convenient, ready answer for this. You know, like the Tribune's got a ready answer for it. And it's just like, it's a perfect answer because it just fits all their whole ideological world. Well, it's the higher taxes. Let's cut taxes. It's the pensions. Let's get rid of pensions. I get the emails from the Tribune readers and they'll send me links. (laughs) I get these emails. Like, guys, I read the editorial already. All right. You sending me (laughs) the editorial is not going to convince me that they're right just because I said it. Well, yeah. I, I know you say oh, you don't have the answer, but Stephen on the live stream chats uh, seems to have an answer here. He says people leave Chicago because it's a bad value for the money. They demand tax money and give us fuck all. Oh, wow. fuck all in return. <laughs> oh, oh, filthy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's leaving Chicago and leaving Illinois. Like I said, they're uh, similar topics, but each each it's it's like a specialty for each. So. Oh, and he also says black folks are leaving for Atlanta and other places where folks can stand a chance at making ends meet. Chicago is structurally racist as fuck. Okay, well, what the language here, Stephen? (laughs) Well, I got to agree with that last point. Can't argue with that last point. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, you know, it's funny about the uh, the great migration uh, out of Chicago. And um, it was happening of, of black people out of Chicago. It's been happening this entire century. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think it was celebrated in the ROM days because it was a sign that the city was getting stronger because the notion was somehow or other with black people leave their poor people are leaving. That's kind of like the, like the general notion that was pr- uh, prevalent, uh, and also prevalent, uh, during the daily administration cheered on, I might add in some ways by the Chicago Tribune, the same Chicago Tribune is so worried about people leaving Illinois. So, you know, I think there's all kinds of attitudes embedded into people's interpretations of why uh, folks are leaving Chicago and why folks uh, are leaving Illinois. But it is so true uh, that it was not considered a big problem that so many black folks are leaving Chicago. It was not treated as a significant problem during the Daily and Rahm Emanuel administrations. All right, now back to Darren Bailey before uh, we move on here. Do you see the Darren Bailey, um, the Pritzker sucks movement, I guess? Do you see it growing at all uh, as we move into the election here, as we get closer towards a vaccine? Or, like, how, where do you see this ending up here, this whole uh, movement? I, I don't see it growing. I know it's uh, people are very passionate about it. You were the first person to tell me about all the Pritzker uh, suck signs, but we've had many guests come on that, uh, who are dem- Democrats, Democratic activists who uh, 
are outside of the Chicago media, Chicago area, and they talk Ben how I'm, you won't believe how unpopular Pritzker is, and more than you won't believe how unpopular Madigan is. And but you I know, have, Bailey, he just gave that event. It said in the story, hundreds uh, were there. You know what I mean? It's not like he was just there by himself yelling at a wall. Yeah. So you know, I uh, I just don't believe the Pritzker sucks movement will take hold in Chicago uh, and DuPage County and Cook County. That uh, Pritzker sucks movement is one. It's tied up to the anti, uh, what is it, the lockdown phase, where the mask phase, the rebellion Let's begin against with phase the, one. Uh, uh, the, yes, uh, the, the rebellion against uh, Pritzker's ultimatums. So I don't see it growing. I believe that uh, Pritzker will win re-election. I said that yesterday on the um, uh Heartland Mamas radio show when I went on with the Mamas podcast when I went on with the Heartland Mamas. I see Pritzker winning re-election D, and I think that uh, one of the Heartland Mamas, Murray Briel, was uh, predicted that Pritzker would not run for re-election, and I didn't see that coming at all. She she'd be like, "Oh, he'd be sick of it," and I'm like, "Murray, I don't I don't see that because I believe that when the vaccines come, we're going to have a revival. Why would Pritzker walk away from a re-election run if we're having an economic revival? That's what many people are predicting." I will finally leave my attic. You will leave your apartment. And we'll go out to uh, that restaurant on Lawrence Avenue where they sell the chicken wings and uh, have dine on chicken wings. I mean, for the record, I've been leaving my apartment. That's true. You went skiing. Just <laughs> yeah, a couple I go weeks skiing. Ago. I go outside. I go yeah. places. You know what I mean? Yeah, you have been. You've been a lot braver than I. I only leave at night. But uh, anyway, so I I just don't see Pritzker losing. He's got a lot of money, D. So I know I know the people who hate Pritzker hate him with a passion, and they whack the signs. And uh, you know Trump got a lot of got big crowds too. And um, I remember when I was so excited on the opposite side when Bernie got big crowds. I remember uh, Bernie Sanders was it at Navy Pier, D? Yeah, like thousands of people. I was like, I think I may have told you this. You see all those people show up for Bernie? Joe Biden doesn't get crowds like that. My own way, I was echoing Donald Trump. But, uh, you know, you can't always equate the big crowds with a big turnout at the polls. I discovered that with my beloved Bernie Sanders in two election cycles. All right. Well, you heard it here first on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Wednesday, February 24th, 2021, J.B. Pritzker will win re-election in November 2022. Very early prediction, but we're rolling with it, all right? Hey, we got more voicemails to read. Come on, Ben. When I say voice, you say mail. Voice. Okay, all right. Let's uh, let's just go ahead and play the voicemail here. Uh, this is from Mike Girardi. Yes, the author of such hit songs as The Editorial Board. A new low world's greatest newspaper and so much more that you could check out at Girardi Bandcamp. Mike Girardi Bandcamp. Go check it out. Download those songs. But we're going to play his voicemail here. Uh, apparently, Girardi went on a riff here. Well, I have two voicemails. He had to continue his riff on the second voicemail. So get ready. We always love him. Michael Girardi, thank you so much. Hope all is well. Let's hear from Mr. Girardi. Girardi, oh. great column, but I have some questions. And when I have questions... I need to turn to the experts and I'm returning a library book here called Chicago on the make power and inequality in a modern city 
by some guy named Andrew J. Diamond, who apparently is a history professor at a university in Paris, France. And as Dennis could tell you, not to be confused with Paris, Illinois, which is also <laughs> lovely, but in a different way. Uh, this guy, on page 282, he's writing about tips. And he says, this lack of transparency enabled the creation of a public funding system that reinforced inequalities rather than ameliorating them, a situation that remained largely obscured until Ben Jarovsky, a journalist for Chicago's leading alternative newspaper, the Chicago Reader, managed to get his hands on some internal TIF documents. According to Jarovsky's investigative work, TIF skinned a billion dollars in property taxes off the city's revenues between 2003 and 2006. So this book is making, sending the message loud and clear. You're the expert I need, Ben. Scholars from all over the world turn to you to understand <laughs> TIFs. But I need you to help me understand this other thing you're writing about. Uh, with the budget and the COVID uh, shenanigans with the budget. And I just, yeah. all I want to know is, why are we acting surprised by this? Don't you remember last spring, early in the pandemic, when the mayor proposed an ordinance and forced the city council to vote on it, that all it did was take away their own power to yeah. review and give any oversight on what the mayor was going to do with the budget and, and spending as long as she could claim that it had something to do with COVID which, as you know, over the past year, everything has had something to do with COVID. <laughs> so she told us that she was going to do this. She told the aldermen, and then she made them vote on letting her do it in the dark however she wants. And they're like, yeah, sure, absolutely. You know, they're, they're rubber stamps anyway. They might as well just save the ink, get, get rid of the formalities. I mean, it's their one fucking job. <laughs> But, yeah, you know, you want to take away my one job? Sure. I mean, you know, just make it easy. So the the defense was we need a quick response. And so there wasn't time with for, uh, for aldermanic review. There wasn't time for budget stuff. I guess there wasn't time for democracy. But this Oh, hold on. That cut him off. He's got more. He's got more. <laughs> By the way, the radio wait, days are long wait, gone. All right. We hold, got hold on. Hold on. Let me just uh, I, I first I didn't know which column he was alluded to. Uh, Michael Girardi, thank you so much for uh, reading my columns and uh, thanks for listening. And hey, hurry up. Write some more music. Oh, sorry. I didn't, didn't mean to do that uh, for our show. But uh, the column he's alluded to is the one I just wrote, and uh, I should post it on Facebook. I haven't got around to it yet. Uh, and it, it, I take the deep dive and the um, uh, <laughs> mayor. I talked about this with uh, Maya yesterday. Mayor Lori Lightfoot, uh, her administration took two hundred eighty-one million, two hundred eighty-one point five million, actually, uh, that they got from the feds for COVID uh, relief and uh, used it to pay, <laughs> pay for the police. And what I was saying in the column, uh, and what Michael was picking up on, this is an old practice. Uh, there are bills that have to be paid by the city. There's obligations to pay, in this case, for police. And they'll just take the money wherever they can get it. I remember once interviewing a budget director for the city of Chicago during the daily years. It was off the record because he probably been fired for talking to me. And he said that, that when you're a budget director, your, your job is to basically to fill buckets with money. And they really don't care where you get the money. You just got to put the money in the bucket. 
And after they're done, if anybody's paying attention, and most likely nobody is, and they don't realize that you're actually paying for something like, I don't know, streets and sanitation with money that's earmarked for the water department, just making that up there. But if you do that and someone calls attention to it, you have to come up with a justification. And so that's, that's they come up with a, a justification in this case to explain why so much money and COVID aid went to the police department. And D, they were saying things like, well, the cops were, you know, like checking on people who had a fever. You know, the cops were administrating aid that would help people who were sick. I mean, they were just making it up as they went along. I had a lot of fun with that in the column because this is an old, that's an old um, tactic and strategy by budget directors in the city of Chicago. Find the money wherever you can and then just spend it where you have to and make up an excuse when it's all said and done to justify it. And like I said here, the radio days are long gone, Ben. We got uh, the host is cursing. We got our guests cursing, live stream chatters cursing, callers cursing. Michael Girardi continues, though. Uh, Michael Girardi, once again, thank you so much. You're awesome. Ben, Mike Girardi, I got cut <laughs> off because I'm fired up and the phone sensed it. I just have one quick request. I need you to help me. Whatever happened with that ordinance last year about the exceptions to the budget approval by the city council as long as it had something to do with the pandemic response. I remember them talking it would just be temporary, but how temporary? What happened and why are we surprised by this? I need you because I don't know the answers. I'm not a scholar in Paris, France. I'm just some schmuck in Beverly, but still, I need you, Ben. Help me. <laughs> oh, that's funny, man. Uh, what happened was temporary. And uh, so they relinquished that power to uh, Emperor, I mean, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, uh, gave her all the authority. And I, we were de- we denounced it on the show. Remember, I said, yo, it's the one good point Darren Bailey is making. That J.P. Pritzker is not an emperor. He should just not have all this unilateral power. It's the one thing I agreed with the big fella on. Uh, in terms of Chicago, they, it was a temporary thing. And that's why uh, the COVID, uh, $281 million COVID expenditure came to light because the um, the mayor had to return to the city council to get approval for ex- for spending $68 million unspent. I know this is details that are people's my- eyes are glazing, but she had to return to the city council to get authority because she didn't have the unilateral authority that she uh, had sought in the early days of COVID. So it did expire. Uh, but yeah, it's an old story. Uh, it's an old practice, I should say, uh, Michael, because I was explaining before, Mayor, I, even the great Mayor uh, Harold Washington, uh, my favorite mayor, uh, he, he was known to do this thing. I remember there was somebody that he wanted to hire uh, and he, he it was a guy, it was a community affairs sort of job, but the only position they could find for him was on the streets and sand. So he, he, they had him, his budget, his job salary being paid out of uh, a line item in streets and sand. And I remember uh, Harold Washington laughing about it and just saying he never thought the day would come uh, when he would, well, first of all, be mayor of Chicago, but be playing games like this. So it's an old game in the city of Chicago. Uh, good government folks would say it's wrong. I'm, I agree it's wrong, uh, but the reality is there's obligations have to be uh, met. And when you're under the gun, you'll do what you can. 
to to pay those bills. And if you got to move money from taking away from people who are desperate need for relief from COVID to pay for the cops, that's what the mayor is going to do. Thank you once again, Michael Girardi. Jim, awesome trivia question there. Be like Jim, be like Mike Girardi. 708-658-4788. Call the Ben Jarofsky Show and leave us a voicemail. We would love to play these voicemails. Those were fantastic ones. In fact, I'm going to play a voicemail from Kathy uh, during the break. She reached out to us as well. But that is our local news segment for the day, everybody. Remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, so much more at chicagoreader.com and wherever else you download podcasts. Our interview with Maya Dugmasova is, in fact, up there. chicagoreader.com and wherever else you download podcasts. You can reach out to us online at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can send us an email as well. Elaine, thank you so much for the email. Always appreciate the kind words. Uh, ChicagoReader.com slash Jarofsky to help out. All right. Become a binhead. Subscribe to the Ben Jarofsky show. Subscribe to the Chicago Reader and uh, go check all that out and be on the lookout for Ben's new book. Rumor has it if you're a binhead, you'll get a deal on that book. All right. So go check that out as well. And yeah, I think that's it. Let's take a break. What do you say, Ben? Sounds like a good idea to take a break. And Monroe Anderson will be with us when we return. 